Good evening, everyone. James Hicks here from Hicks New Media. Uh, thank you for joining us for another edition of Perspectives in Focus. Tonight, we have a wonderful show for you. I'm glad you are able to attend a very meaningful message, and uh, hopefully there'll be some, some engagement with my guest today because it's a timely, relevant topic of the day that needs to be discussed. Uh, my guest today, Montel Allen. Montel Allen is the founder of NBA Sports, a not-for-profit independent institution that's dedicated to providing quality service for minority and underprivileged student-athletes in their efforts to pursue college aspirations. Their goal, bridge the gap between minorities, underprivileged student-athletes, and college education using sports as a hybrid platform. This is accomplished by helping young men and women get through the process and achieving a higher level of education. Tonight we're going to talk about all the efforts that NBA Sports has achieved. We're going to chat a little bit about the process of recruiting for sports, especially here in California, and how over the past 24-25 years with cutbacks it has been directly affecting men of color within their communities. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Montel Allen. Thank Until, you how you doing there? Thank you. Okay. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll start off talking a little bit about my, 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 my organization, NBA Sports. It was a nonprofit I started uh, several years ago. And like you said, it definitely helped bridge the gap, especially for those underprivileged and those having the opportunity to go to college. And using that platform of sports, probably football for men of color to be able to get into schools, educate themselves, and be able to give back to the community. Awesome. So let, let's let's... Rewind just a little bit because, I mean, that, that's the big picture. That's what we want to spend some, some time talking about. Uh, and I think that's a fantastic uh, task, right, that you've taken on because that, that needs to happen, and that needs to happen specifically for folks within our community. And, and it's good to see someone that looks like us out there representing and really trying to, to move that needle in a positive, in a forward direction. But... Outside of the corporate world, tell the folks who Montel Allen is. Oh, me, man. I'm just. A, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put a, you on the spot. I'm a, I'm a guy that, that, you know, I was raised in Sacramento, California. Uh, a good friend of yours and one of my great friends, Kevin Bracey, is the one yes. that links up. Uh, we've been partners in crime for I don't know how long. And, man, I'm just. I'm a, I'm a real passionate guy. I'm a family man. I, I'm really passionate about kids and their opportunities because I know how hard it is. I know I was the lucky one to get out of my crew. I mean, okay. I was just. I was just thinking about the other day, man. By the time I was 14, you know, I witnessed I witnessed my my brother being killed to gang violence. I witnessed drug addiction. I witnessed alcoholism. I was raised by a single mother. Um, I, I witnessed our house getting shot up uh, when we were young. I witnessed all these things going on. Living in Meadowview apartments by the Bur- by Burbank, living yeah. over there. Uh, you know, my mom was lucky when I was 14. We moved to we moved to Citrus Heights, which was a blessing. You know. Um, Due to her situation, we, we, we know it got better, but we were raised in Freeport. I lived in the gardens. There was a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going on, and I'm thinking back, man. By the time I was 14, I witnessed all these things. I mean, that's post-traumatic syndrome for most people. <laughs> you know, yes, sir. It is, things, yeah. Witness all that going through, and I was able to, to, you know, internalize that, use it as a motivational skill, um, go to college and be successful and graduate from college. You know, got my master's. I've been working in corporate America for several years, and, you know, and I, and I had the opportunity to play football. You know, football was my outlet and my main outlet to be kind of do do that. And I want to be able to get that opportunity back to, to some young men because I know they're going through either a similar situation as I went through or even worse. Yeah. So let me ask you that because that's, that's very interesting. Just 
I, I know those areas. I know those neighborhoods. I've lived in those neighborhoods, some of those neighborhoods as well. Mm-hmm. They're challenging, right? Again, you, you're surrounded by a, a lot of pulls in one particular direction. It's easy to fall into whatever trap, peer pressure, whatever you want to call it. How did you personally pull yourself out of those particular situations and say, you know what? I myself have to do something better or I know that there's something better for me. And, and how did you turn that into a desire to help others as well once you got of age, of education, of means and things of that? I think the, the, the starting point for me was definitely when my brother got passed. My brother passed away. I mean, it happened, when, like I said, when I was 14 years old, my first year in high school. Um, he was at a, you know, he was he was a guy that was he was a guy known in the neighborhood, pretty tough guy doing his thing. We met, we had just moved to Citrus Heights. He always wanted to keep going back to the old neighborhood in Freeport. And you know, situation happened. He was at a party, got in an argument, and things went the wrong way, and he, he was killed. I think at that point, and seeing my mother cry, was like that was a gut wrenching moment for me, where I'm like, you know what, it's it's not gonna happen no more to my family. And the way that I figured it out was through transition or, or pushing my pushing my anger my desire all into sports um yeah. and that didn't even come easy i mean like i said i mean i went to mesa verde it wasn't known as a high mm-hmm. you know a high school powerhouse or anything mm-hmm. uh from that point on i i, I played basketball and football ran track dominant i was really good at football and basketball and it wasn't my football coaches that saw anything in me it was my basketball coach he asked me okay. one day what do you what do you want to do and i said i want to go play college football and he was like or, you know where you want to go and then within the next couple of weeks I started getting letters and interest and Humboldt State at the time was very interested in me uh, guys wanted to go division one I. I really wasn't about the division one thing I really didn't even understand it at that time mm-hmm. wasn't really the big thing I just wanted to go to college and get away and play that's what that was my desire Humboldt State was really persistent in recruiting me so I said you know what I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna take a leap of faith and, and go and go play and, and, and ha- have fun and in that transition, I saw so many guys that were like me. That was their thing. They got to they got to college. They they got there. They were able to figure out the path from there. Um, and it was a pivotal moment in that. And, and when I was in college, because there was there was a point that I wanted to quit. You know, I wasn't playing. They were talking about redshirt. I didn't understand any of the process because I wasn't familiar with it. There was nobody in my family could even talk to. I didn't have a. I didn't have a father figure anybody I could even turn to because none of them ever been to college. So no right. one knew. And, and I was sitting in my locker, and I, I mean, there was an older gentleman next to me. And he was just like, man, I know you're not going to let, you know, uh, your development of football take away the opportunity you get your degree. And that really resonated. Oh, wow. With wow. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, whoa. Like, you know, he was like, I know you're not going to let these guys basically put these dead bugs in your ear and, and, and put doubt in you. That's going to let you take away your opportunity to get your degree. We, we all here the same. We, we're here to get this piece of paper. So that coming from an older, an older guy, a mentor of mine. It just resonated with me, man, and it stuck. It really okay. stuck, really, it stuck really deep with me, and that that pushed me. That pushed me to get my degree. That pushed me to be successful in football at that level. That pushed me, you know, even my opportunities, you know, if I wanted to go to the next level. Um, and and things happen why you know why people don't or do do, but I mean that really just resonated me in giving back. And and we okay. also had a we had a mentor in college. We had a, a gentleman by the name of Blue Littleton, uh, and and R J Hicks. They were two African Americans that were up there. Which wasn't a lot of humble, but there were two very older right. gentlemen that used to always right. help pipeline in there. Um, Mr. Littleton was, was was pipelining kids from Pittsburgh, California, a lot, and R.J. was and R. And R. W. Hicks was pipelining from L.A. And I saw what they did and how much of an impact they had in other people's lives as well. So all those things collectively, when I graduated and I started having my own kids and I saw their things, I wanted to give back. 
Yeah. I wanted to figure out a way to give back. And with you knowing football, with you knowing sports, and you already knowing that whole aspect of team, you know, one for one for all those types of things, it, it yeah. just seems to have been a, a perfect fit as opposed to going into some other profession, right? Just you, you being tied to sports. Yeah, yeah. Sports does, I think, a lot for the development of people, especially in corporate America. It teaches you how to be a team member. It teaches you how to be a leader. It teaches you how to speak. It teaches you how to be competitive. It teaches you how to uh, uh, um, really, really be driven. You know, and, and learn how to work on the adver- adver- adversity. Um, yeah. How to be under it just teaches you so many dynamics. And football is the ultimate team sport. You know, I know people. Some people don't want to believe it, but it is. That's the one sport that there's no one person could dominate with it without the others. You can't. Yeah. A quarterback can't throw the ball unless the offensive line is blocking. <laughs> he, can't you know, he can't throw it to himself, right? He can't throw it to himself. He can't outrun. Every, he can't outrun other people unless they're blocking. He can't. He can't throw the ball unless somebody's catching it. He can't. They can't run the ball unless the running back is taking the ball and running it, and an offensive line is blocking. So, it's so many dynamics in football that 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 cultivate that team effort, which you need in the work environment. I mean, you need True. to. I mean, and, and also it, it creates innovation. It creates. You know, uh, um, like a big competitive spirit. It can, it can, it, you learn how to be successful with each other, and you learn how to fail. You know how you learn how to endure failure. So those things, and you learn how to overcome failure. So those things are all big things that I learned through the process of sports, and I learned them as I got into college, and I learned how to translate that into the corporate America world. We we, we hold that in common for sure. Because well, so, so my sport was baseball. I played a lot of baseball. You know. So, not as much as uh, as Kev did, but you know I've coached the youth up here as well, and I'm and I'm always telling the youngsters that, you know, that when you're on these groups, when you're on these squads, you're relying on on them. They're relying on you. You 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 have to work for each other and with each other, and those are the leadership. Those are the qualities that you're going to take on this field, on this court, on this on this playground wherever and you're going to also take that into whatever profession that you do all the relationships that you have going going forward as well so sports is more important i think than folks realize if you look beyond just the game itself but look at how much mental ability i I look at i love coaches right Mm -hmm. so i'm I'm a big joe tory kind of guy you know baseball coach I'm, i'm a big thinking strategy type of person mm-hmm. and, and and i see that coming out of you in terms of this conversation that we're having that you're, you're looking at it beyond just the physical like look i got hard knocks on i'm, I'm watching hard knocks still every every, every morning when yeah. i fire this tv up so, so I, i'm watching that aspect but you're looking at it and i don't want to put words in your mouth but beyond just the, the hitting the blocking the tackling and and the running routes but again the thinking person's game right the the, the, the ability to Quickly see a situation, adapt to adapt to it, and and uh, make some that, types of activity. That is a very very good point, and, and you're right. I, I would like to allude to that because I believe, especially at least in my sport in football, remember you have to be able to counter react to what they're doing, and you have to yeah. be able to counter react on the fly. So I, I hate when people put the stereotype that people are dumb. Fo- football players are dumb. They're actually, you know, you're not because you're actually one of the ultimate strategists because you have to be able to counter react to what the next person to do. Based off yeah. even what their reaction, what they see. So what? And I'll take a person through a scenario. When the ball is getting, when they break the huddle and they go to the thing, the quarterback looks and sees what's going on. He'll either keep the play on or he'll call an audible. If he calls yeah. an audible, that means the play is changed and the line changes. That mm-hmm. means the defense has to change their adjustments and what their responsibilities are right to on the fly to what that happens. Now, mm-hmm. based on the snap of the ball, things are completely different. That's going on. You have to adjust to whatever whatever that play is and read and read what's going on to react to it to be successful. And now you have either successful size on the offensive ball or the offensive ball because their strategy was better on that particular play, 
or the defensive strategy was better on that particular play to be able to break it up and stop it from going on. But right. the thing is, like you said in the beginning, it's a mental – it's more of a mental challenge than it is a physical challenge all day, every day. <laughs> Look, if, if I had to – if we all had to read those large playbooks every, <laughs> every week before a, a game or before we do a, a, a meeting in, in our day jobs, we'd be stressed too. You, you can't oh. say that there's, there's not a lot of high IQ folks that uh, play, play in these professional sports Absolutely. and collegiate sports, whatever the Absolutely. case may be. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about uh, MBA and, and talk to us about kind of the, the, the goal, the purpose, the mission behind what that activity is and, and that the, the organization that you started. Yeah, I think in MBA, the, the goal behind that is definitely to help kids get to post-secondary um, education, period. Mm -hmm. and, and, and sports is a platform. I, I know there's kids that don't play sports, they go to college, uh, but definitely I think there's a, there's a break between people of color and, mm -hmm. and going to college because a lot of us are the first generations going to college. We, yeah. we, we don't, and, and there is a process and people, a lot of people don't understand the process. You have to not only get, you know, recruited by the, 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 the coaches and all that stuff, but you also have to be admitted into school. You have to take a certain yeah. amount of classes in, in, in high school to be able to be eligible for school. Uh, not only when we get there, you got to be able to test. You got to understand what the redshirt process is. You got to understand what's going to be demanded of you when you go to college because college sports is completely different than high school. There, there's no, yeah. you know, I, in, in college, you're going to dedicate at least six hours of your day to that one sport. You know, and that's by working out, getting up, working out. You got meetings, you got practice, and you have post meetings after that, and you got film to watch, and then you go home, and now you got to do your regular homework. Well, right. in high school, you go for two hours, and that's it. You know, if that, you know, you go for an hour, yeah. and that's it. You go home. You don't really think about it anymore. But, it, you know, when you get to the collegiate level, it's more of a job. It's more of a job that you have to endure it at really that level. Is. And I think people don't understand that until they get there that's why there's so much shell shock you know for some kids or that's why we have such a drawback from kids not you know when they want to come back home so fast because it's such a demand driven on you to to, to participate in sports now to go to school maintain your grades and all this thing and then not not having a platform or a person to go back and reach back to and talk to because we don't have those mentors we're the first generations you can't call your mom and say hey mom i'm having yeah. problems with this can you help me well, she can't teach you anything she doesn't know. You can't call your brother because he can't teach you anything he doesn't know. So we very we have very few mentors in those situations to be able to go give back to these kids and give them advice on how to handle those kind of situations because it gets stressful. You're away from yeah. home. Uh, you're not getting a home cooked meal. You're tired. You're wrestling. Yeah. You, you know you're restless. You, you you're playing football or you're playing your sport of your choice. You, you you got all these different dynamics. You're around people, strangers you don't even know, and. We don't have that massage. We don't have that ease of massage to get that advice. So I think my business or NBA sports is kind of try to at least bridge that gap to get you in and, and give you at least a fair warning, which I say the power, the power of no, to let you know what you're going to get yourself involved to once you step on that college campus. Wow, the power of no. And, and so you're really talking about the soft skills piece, right? Because everyone who goes to college, everyone moves off, whatever, they go and get that twin XL bed in, in their dorm room, whatever, you know, everyone has an RA, they, they have those services. Yeah. But when you're an athlete in college, right, I, I, I like how you put it, that's really your job. Yeah, you're there for an education as well, but if you got a scholarship and you got recruited by that school, really your priority be it all whatever they want somebody wants to say your priority is really to go out there on that court field diamond whatever and and show out and and, and show those skills that you have absolutely 
and those skills of helping that athlete manage through the day, manage through uh, finding someone to help them and tutor them with their homework because they're missing so many classes because they're out of conditioning, they're out of practice, helping them with finding proper nutrition, right? Because you, you can't just keep eating Top Ramen and, and, yeah. and pizza and Mountain Dew all day if you're an athlete. You, you, yeah. you got to find someone to feed you, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a whole different ecosystem of folks I think they're going to be around. It's just it's just a different dynamic. Like, I mean, if you're an athlete in, like, the higher level, you go Division One, Division Two, and so on. If you're mm-hmm. on scholarship, they'll figure out, they're, they're going to try to allot your time for your time management the best as possible. That's great, and that's what they're supposed to do because they want you to maximize your skills as an athlete. But yeah. also in that same, in that same situation, Who's going to talk to that young man that's lonely? Because let's be honest with you. You go somewhere, you go 1,500 miles away, and you don't know anybody. You may know people on the team, but you're in that dorm room by yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. Where you're used to being at your house when you have your mom and your brothers and your sisters to talk to. You have your friends you can communicate with. Mm-hmm. You have all these things. That, when you're having a bad day, who are you supposed to talk to when you don't really know nobody except for your teammates? You'll get to know them eventually, but you don't have that support and that mechanism like you do when you're closer to home. So just being separated from your support mechanism, that's a difficult thing for anybody to do. Now, why do you think people when people go to jail is so difficult? Because they don't have us. They don't have no one to talk to. They, the support mechanism is taken away. It's the it same is. thing. It's that 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 mechanism is taken away from you when you go to college. And if you have no one to lean on, or you have very little people to lean on, it's hard to make that adjustment. And especially for when you're a first generation person going to college, it's very difficult to make that adjustment going there because we don't have a support mechanism. Now, other people may have it. You will learn to lean on different professors, different advisors, and different things, and you can start to develop that. But development takes time. Development doesn't happen overnight. You don't instantly have a support mechanism. You don't instantly have friends. You don't instantly have a person you can go to and talk to. You don't mm-hmm. have instantly anyone just to talk to unless you make that friend right away. So I believe you have to be able to massage those kind of things into a, to, to a young man or young lady as they're first going to school. And let's be honest, everybody's not built the same way. That's you true. Know? That's true, you know? right? Depending on your situation, depending on your circumstances, your upbringing, right? You you may have both parents in your home, and you come from a different dynamic as opposed to someone who didn't, or you know, from a financial situation, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So, so so let me narrow this in a little bit more, kind of focus yep. to what MBA does, right? We talk about kind of the the, the general collective, mm-hmm. but you're really focused on primarily providing opportunity. I'm I'm focused on giving them the opportunity. But you're, you're focused on give, giving that opportunity, I think, and, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're oh. focused on everyone, but you, you really got a, a specific reach out to the minority community, to the athletes of color, the ones who systematically probably have come up through a, 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 an environment to where they have been overlooked or not had the proper resources. Am, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. put anything in their mouth. No, no, you're, you're absolutely I really like to focus on those that, that are... Um, Underutilized. I really my main and my main sport. Let me be perfectly honest. Is football. I do help other sports, but football is my my, my main passion. So I really work mm-hmm. with those young men a lot. So mm-hmm. I try to work on those that are that are underrepresented, um, not only by their, their their gender or their I mean not only by their color, their skin, or their socioeconomic situation, but also that just don't get the opportunity. So That's what I wanted to hear. Okay. The, the kid the, the kid that doesn't get the opportunity. You know, he may have nine kids on this team that are stars, but that one kid is working just as hard doing everything just as right as they're doing, but no one's looking at him. I want to pull that guy, that diamond out of that rough, and show him and give him an opportunity to also get out, be able to go to schools just as well. Makes sense. And showcase now, his talent. 
So, so give us an example, kind of, of what services that you 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 provide, you offer. Like, I I know of an organization. Uh, I think when we, when we talked a couple of months ago when we were planning this, I, I mentioned to you Max Preps, right? Yep. So, I mean, Max Preps is I know you know them as well. But what yep. what services do you provide that are that separate you from any of the other service providers that are out there help, helping I, I, young athletes? I believe my services is just I, I have a lot of good relationships with a lot of coaches out there, and I have a good eye for talent and be able to see talent and what's utilized, especially at the lower levels. Let's be, you know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Guys that are Division One capability or that are going to the big Power Five schools, they don't need my help. They don't need any input from me. They've already been physically blessed to be there, to be able to develop to play play at that level. But guys that are a little bit less that haven't developed the need that need those few years to develop, but they have some, they have a lot of talent. Guys that are, you know, small or considered small for their position. There's a ton of schools out there for them. Those schools may not be in California, but there's a ton of schools out there that are willing to offer money for them to come play and play for their team. I look for those guys, those diamonds in the rough, to say, hey, guy, you know, you can actually go play in college. You can go play at Tabor. You can go play at Southwest Minnesota State. You can go play over there at, at, at McPherson. There's schools for you to be able to opportunity to go play, get your education, continue your four years of playing football. And at that point, who knows what happened because we all yeah. develop differently. You, some yep. people develop at 17, some people develop to the 20. You know, it depends on how you're going to your body. But if you have the skill set, there's a opportunity, there's a place for you to play football and get your degree. I really like that because a, a lot of times athletes and just individuals as well don't think of all of the opportunities, all the possible opportunities that are out there, right? Mm -hmm. Going to a different location, going and play for maybe a smaller school, not always looking for a division one you you might not be ready for d1 school right Let, let's yeah, look yep. at something else let's yep. look at something if you live in california let, let's look at texas let's look at uh virginia let's look somewhere else get your education get the opportunity to play not just sit on the bench but you actually may actually get a chance <laughs> to get out there and, yeah. and, and, and make a highlight reel exactly. um those kind of things and then see where where that takes you but so i, I really like the fact that you go in with that open concept and that open mindset of saying let's look at all these other uh variables and other ways that we we can get you yeah. some some playing time i think guys gotta there's gotta realize there's only so many division one athletes you know that go power yeah. five you know or go to these big these big schools and you got to think you have to ask yourself and i think the biggest corporate are parents parents and uncles and cousins and mm -hmm. everybody outside you mm -hmm. need to really ask yourself is that young man or young lady the best in their area and if they're yeah. the best in the area, are they the best in their city? And if they're the best in their city, are they the best in their region? That's yeah. the guy that's going to Power 5. And the one thing that discourages me a lot is when people start to compare their kids to other kids. So, oh, yeah. my son my son yeah. got more yards than him. He's a better runner than him. Well, let's look at the – let's start to take a look, break down the physical attributes. Your son is 5'10", 170 pounds. You know what? I can go outside in any park and throw a rock and hit a kid that's 5'10", 170 pounds. Hmm. Now – Another kid that you're comparing yourself to, that kid is 6'1", 215 pounds. <laughs> so understand, yeah. understand, understand, you got to understand from a, coach, a coach's mindset, they're in the business of winning games and getting yeah. the biggest, the fastest, the best athletes. They don't, and the, the, the best line I've ever heard, I don't recruit heart, I recruit talent. Everyone always says, oh, you got to measure how big the heart is. Yeah. My job isn't to recruit heart. My yeah. job is to recruut talent. Everybody's you know, got heart. Yeah, you, you can. You know. The smallest man is 115 pounds, probably had the biggest heart in the world. But you know what? Yeah. He can't play linebacker for for an NFL team because he's too small. That's true. That's, That's true. the bottom line. So I, I wish parents would stop. You know, they need to really open and broaden their horizons. And I'm not saying for I'm not saying take away a kid's dream. If a kid wants to shoot for 
the big division ones, absolutely keep working hard and get getting that. Yeah. But if yeah. that opportunity doesn't come, take the next best thing that is for you and go get that education. I think too many of us defer to junior college and think that's going to be the answer. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm going to let a big secret out right now. Junior college doesn't make you division one. It doesn't. You're either a D1 it. athlete going into junior college or you're a fallback from going to junior college because you messed <laughs> up to get your grades right. If you're a guy that's just going to junior college to try to develop into Division One, it happens, but it very happens rarely. And number two, you're always they're always going to bring somebody in to take your position, or you're going to be splitting time with somebody. Period. That's just that's just the, the beast of it. Most people are Division One athletes before they go to they go to junior college. They get their stuff right and then they move on. Okay. It's, okay. it's not it's not the other way around. Junior college is not going to develop you to be a Division One athlete. It doesn't work that way. That's you that's know? telling, and that, that's probably. I won't say crushing to some, not even the athletes, but I'll say to the parents. Because I mean, I, and, and and I go back to kind of what you were saying, and I think a lot of times parents try to live their failed athletic dreams out by their kids. And I, I saw this a lot when I when I when I was uh, coaching, but and, and that's such a disservice to the child and to the athlete themselves because they'll never live up to that false expectation. Unless they make right. it to the NFL, and that's very that's very so rare that the, it's going to do, or they make it to Major League Baseball or something yeah. like that. I believe I believe they just. I mean, you got to really figure out what's important to you. And I always tell kids, if you go to college and get your degree, you're going to become a pro. Yeah, it may not be a pro athlete, but you're going to be professional something. Professional something. Because yeah. you have that piece of paper to back you up, and it's always going to open up a door for you. Um, but if you if you if you're putting all your eggs in one basket, says you know they're going to go to school and become an athlete or be a professional athlete. Man, there's only three percent. You got to think. There's over a million high school kids that play on for Friday mm-hmm. nights. Mm-hmm. There's only three hundred and some thousand college students that play on Saturdays. <laughs> so that means seven hundred thousand are left behind that aren't playing on Saturday. And then from that three hundred thousand that's playing on Saturday, there's only roughly about six hundred that's playing on Sunday in the NFL. The numbers drop drastically. So if you don't, if, if you just, if you want to just look at statistics alone. It drops yeah. so drastically that there's only three percent guys that are playing in college are going to go into the NFL. And, and are you top that three percent? Maybe, maybe not. But odds are you're probably not going to be that three percent. So why not? Why not be the next best thing? Is is to get your piece of paper, your degree, and be a pro with something. That degree right now is established. You're going to make forty thousand dollars a year regardless of what's happening. Period. No matter what mm-hmm. happens, no matter. I don't care if the economy's bad. Whatever job you get, you're going to be making about forty thousand dollars a year. Period. That only yeah. not, that changes your family's wealth. That changes your family directory, and that gives you intellectual intellectual wealth. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Where if you don't do it, you have none of that. And now we're out here hustling. We're out here doing these other things to trying to make ends meet, and we have to do it the hard way. I'm saying, exactly. Go play your sport. Go get your opportunities together. Get your degree, and from that point on, man, life, life let life take its place at that point because now you've opened so many doors for yourself. Yeah, that that resonates really good because because it's it's refreshing to hear you mention that sports is great, but sports isn't everything, right? Yeah. If you're if you're not that two three percent man, you you, you probably I'm not probably going to be watching you on Sunday afternoon, right? I'm just probably not. Yeah, but yeah. but that's okay, right? That's okay. Go there, get that paper, get that, get that degree signed. Uh, make sure it's signed. That's that's one thing my mother told me. You know, when I got mine, you know, it's, it's good you got your your degree, baby. But make sure that make sure the man signed it. I said, yes, ma'am. Uh, but but then you have something to fall back on, right? You, you have some concrete skills, regardless of what they what they may be. So so that's that's really telling, and I and I really appreciate that 
you're emphasizing that with the athletes that, that you that you work with. Mm-hmm. So let, let, let me ask, how is this particular time, 2020, affecting you? Everything was in lockdown. We don't have any sports uh, or we it, have very little uh, engagement with uh, sports. How yeah. is it affecting you right now? It, it's really – and I, I, let's, let's, let's get narrow even down. Let's talk specifically the state of California. So okay. in California, it's bad. You know, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna speak especially for the the class of 2021. It's really, it's just gonna be a messed up time with this COVID thing, and us have not, and not have an opportunity to play and showcase your talent. I think it's bad not only for 2021, but it's also bad for 2022 because there's no junior film, so coaches can't recruit you off of mm-hmm. your junior film. They gotta recruit mm-hmm. you off your sophomore film, which is really difficult. Which we know you can develop a lot between your sophomore and senior year, mm-hmm. period. Um, so. Those two classes are screwed with this COVID thing, and, and, and hopefully it gets better next year. But as of right now, they're screwed. Um, mm-hmm. With that being said, um, now the opportunities are limited because now NCAA has given uh, schools, seniors, their year back. They have, a, they have a chance to have another year of eligibility. So you got to think. If a school, say, let's, let's talk Sac State, for instance, and I don't know the mm-hmm. numbers. This is all speaking hypothetically. But let's say Sac State, going into this year before COVID hit, they had 20 scholarships to offer. You know, they were going to graduate 10 seniors and they had 10 available. Well, now those 10 seniors are going to stay. So that you don't have 20 scholarships. No, you only have yeah, 10. Okay. You only have 10 because they're not leaving. You have to pay for the school another year. The school's not going to give you more budget. NCAA's not going to give you more scholarships. So now that 10 that you had, that 20 you thought you had, is now down to 10. Now you can only recruit 10 guys around wow. and around, around. So now... Imagine how selective they can be now because that trickles all the way down from the bigger schools to the small schools. So those big schools that used to have 20, now they only got 10. So those other 20, 10 that we're going to take, they got to fall down to the next level. They fall into Sac State's lap. Sac State, the guys that weren't going to Sac State now fall into some Division II schools' lap. Fall into the, you know, it, it's just going to trickle down, and there's yeah. only so many spots. It's very Now it used to be a, a, a big amount of spots. Now it's very condensed. It's little. Schools have now you know half of what they had before because people are opting back in. Um, yeah. for that for the extra year so now you got to be really forceful in your choices you got to really make sure you you know if you want that opportunity you got to go out there and take it you can't hesitate we don't have the luxury in california to sit around and wait and be picky like we did years before you know where guys had 10 or 12 offers and they want to wait yeah and, you know i'm going to go on my recruiting trips i want to wait i'm gonna see what happens now what's going to happen i think when early signing day for the guys that want to go to the big time schools if they don't sign i think schools are going to move on Period. There's not going to be wow. no events unless they're going to move on. And when those guys move on and, and those scholarships get pulled or those offers get pulled, now everybody's going to scramble where they're going to go now and figure out what home from there. And then imagine that. That's the D1 guys. Imagine guys that are mostly D2 and NAI level. And NAI mm-hmm. is a collective of D2 if people don't know that. And, and Division three level. Division three is non-scholarship, by the way. They only go on academics when you get there. So they only offer you a roster spot. They don't offer you acad- athletic money. Division two and NAI offered you athletic money. So now the money from there, they, they also get another year too. So their money is shrunk as well. So when you're trying to find these, these smaller schools from a, a person like me who really works with them a lot, those numbers aren't there anymore. You know, where I can go to a school and send them five people, they're like, Montel, we're only taking one. So now I'm directly, I can't send five guys there no more. I have to kind of branch out more and hopefully there's other places. And the, the other thing that people are looking at more schools are now going to be looking locally because they don't have the budget to go out because of COVID. They don't have the luxury to be able to travel because of COVID. Makes you can't sense, go meet yeah. you can't meet face to face and go into a home visit of the kid because of COVID. So now, yeah. if I don't get to see you face to face and don't be able to put the eyeball test on you and make sure you meet all the attributes and you look like the athlete I think you are, 
then most likely I'm not going to offer you. I'll go offer Billy that's around the corner that I've seen at the local high school, yeah. and I can go to his house and see him at the local restaurant, and I can get an eyeball test, and maybe he might be a little less talented, but at least I know exactly what I'm getting with Billy. You know exactly instead, what you're getting, yeah. Exactly, yeah. instead of flying off. You guys got to remember, I mean, people like Ian, I got to remember, wow. these coaches, these are his coaches' jobs. They're coaching for their life. This is their life. This is how they feed their family. Yeah. I can't t- I can't take a chance on a kid that I've never seen before, don't know anything about, when I can take a chance on a kid that is right around the corner. Yeah, because a Zoom call trying to pick someone's athletic uh, ath- <laughs> capabilities <laughs> yeah. does not work at, at all. Not, it doesn't work, man. I mean, and you can look at the film, and, and I mean, and these kids, I mean, they're showing 707 film, and they're showing them the workout, and that's all good. You, you need to continue to do that because you got to show that you're being active. But that's not a true indicative of who you are unless they get a chance to see you face-to-face. I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. If I'm about to invest $50,000 or $200,000 scholarship in you yeah. or in, in a kid, I want to see him and make sure because if I go to my head coach and tell him, you know what, this kid becomes a bust, I just wasted $200,000 of the school's money of this kid on, the, on this kid that's never going to probably play for us or not going to contribute to our football program for, for, for three to four years. Um, that, that's a clear sign of a guy that might get fired from his job because that 200000 could have went to somebody else. They could have invested in someone else. So I think people got to be really, really diligent about if you have an offer and someone is attracted to you as a, as a student athlete, you need to very investigate it and be very diligent about about possibly taking that offer and don't mm-hmm. wait for the, the big the big the big the big bomb to drop out of the sky to give you some yeah. division one offer. You might really want to consider those D two offers and maybe and really make an effort to see if that's the right place for your for your student athlete. So that so that grass may not be greener on the other side if you try to hold out and hold your breath and wait wait for something else to show yeah. up. Or, or you might not get no grass at all. <laughs> you, <laughs> might, <laughs> you might not get. <laughs> but that, that's, that's 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 so real, right? I mean that that really is the reality of it. But right? um, we 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 think we are what we are, but and we, we swear we can still you know run a forty in, in however fast, but. Um, when, when it comes to the saber metrics, when it comes to numbers don't lie, when it, when it comes to the film, right, uh, what, what can you do for me today? Now, I'm not worried about tomorrow. What can you do for me today? And, and, and also, you got to look at a kid's upswing. I mean, if there's a kid, your parents is 5'10", and you're six foot, you're not going to grow to be 6'4", six, 6'5", six, to be a quarterback. Yeah. You yeah. know, that, that, that is your trajectory. You're going to be about a six-foot kid, and you may grow an inch or two, but that's about it. Where... You know, some kids, you can see their family and see them like, okay, well, he's like 6'1", his dad is 6'6", mom looks 6'2". Mm-hmm. Mm, you know, the probability he might grow a little bit. We might want to take a chance on that kid and, and, and go him. So people just, you know, you can't look at just the now in high school sports for athletes. Coaches are also looking at what can I grow him into? I want him, I want to make okay. sure he has ability now. Definitely, you know, he's got to have the ability, but I also want to see what can he grow to and what, what, how can we make him a bigger, a bigger, better, faster athlete? You know, what is this upswing? You know, basically, what is this upswing? His or her upswing. So right. I, I think there's so many dynamics that goes into the recruiting part that I think parents only see the comparison part, comparing their kid to another person and why they got mm-hmm. offered and why my kid didn't. Instead of saying, you know what, I really got to be realistic with my child and be like, you know what, let's go get let's go get that NAI money from 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 Dork mm-hmm. College and get my kid a degree in four years. And, and I always tell kids, you know what, you don't never want to be the person that plays on the team. You want to be the person that's cutting the check. You know, working in the front office—that's what <laughs> that's you want to do. That's you know, true. let's be that's honest true. with you. If, if an owner can afford to pay a, a player ten million dollars, that means he's making twenty million. Yeah. So exactly. If you if you really want to be involved in the sports and that's your passion, you know, start looking at it from the business end as well instead of just play, instead of playing. And you can only do that unless you go to school. 
One last question, and then, then I'll, I'll let you kind of um, freestyle a little bit. But you, you brought up something, and, and I wonder. I know you. I know you have all your engagement and your interaction with the athlete themselves. But do you have the one-on-one session with the parent themselves, right? About these are some true expectations, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Tim is good at, at basketball, but man, he, you know, I know he wants to go to. I don't know Syracuse. He wants to go to St. Mary's, where? But man, you know what? Let, let's go ahead. And, let's go ahead and let him go to Solano Community College right now. All right. I mean, do you have those types of conversations? Yes. With, yes. With yes. You talking about? Do I have those? those awkward, uncomfortable <laughs> conversations? Um, I've, I've said that a million times. I'm yeah, glad you yeah, used that yeah, phrase. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. drink to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm brutally honest, and I'm brutally honest with the kid first. Um, I try to tell him his expectations first and I tell him all the time you know my word isn't he but I'm I got a damn good percentage of kids I know this division one who had who's not and yeah. I tell them I try to be very brutally honest and then with the parents I do I, I have those conversations with them um, but I try to educate the person the parents even beforehand I have a I have a bi-weekly series that I have called straight from the horse's mouth well, I'll bring mm. coaches from from all over the country to speak to student athletes and it's open dialogue you can talk to yeah. them you can ask them any questions you want you could talk to them about recruiting. You could talk to them about the school. Talk about anything you want. I wanted it's forget me as the middleman. I'm don't hear from me. Yeah. Hear from a guy that's in the profession that's going to tell you exactly what's going on and what they want. And they break it down from the size they want of their linemen, the size they want of the quarterback, how fast they want their receivers, and all. They, they break down everything you want as imaginable to ask, so you can hear directly from a coach. So it can also resonate what I'm telling you. It reinforces what I'm telling. I'm telling you you may or may not be that person. And this is the reasons why. And that coach just told you. So that's a bi-weekly call I have. Also on my website, I have an ability where you can load your, you can upload your film and I'll break you down your film and I'll tell you what I see, the good, the bad, and the ugly in your film. So I'll tell okay. you straight up on your film, like, hey, uh, you don't do this well. You need to work on this. You need to, you know, you need to work on that. Or you do do this very well. This is where I think you fit as far as schools are concerned. You know, I think you're this, this type of player. So I have all that on my website. Um, that people can go access to and go take a look at. Um, it's nbasports.net. Um, you can go in there. There's a play. You know, you can go through there. Uh, there's some certain links that you can click on there, and you mm-hmm. can definitely upload your film. So I think those two things I kind of have. Um, it's funny, and I'll give you an example. I had a I had a conversation once with a, with a parent, a single mother, and I was telling her about a, you know we were talking about a school her child should go to. They were really interested in it. And the funny thing, the kid that got offered from a school, a small school in Kansas. She was very reluctant to send her son to Kansas. You know, she was like, you know, there's no, there's, there's no black people there. There's no this, there's this. I'm, and I'm like, you know what? And I just, you know, she said, they're going to call him the N-word and all this. And I, and I, and me, I was very brutally honest. I said, I don't think that's the first time someone's ever, you know, you, you, your son has ever heard the N-word. And so it's not going to be the last, you know. So why would you deprive education just because of that? Don't let that be the, your, your restriction in it taking away this opportunity for your young for this young man and he ended up winning there he actually he actually was very successful he got his degree and everything he's a teacher now but i mean those are the type of you know those conversations i do have um but you know it's far and few in between i like i said i want to educate him before i have those conversations i get it i get it i love it i love yeah. it tell us what's next man what, what what do you got going on again it, it's, it's it's hectic right now because again you can't get out there and have that that dialogue but uh yeah. I feel I feel the energy resonating from you, so I know something's happening. I know you got oh, something cooking in the kitchen right now. Man, Tell us I, got a, I got so many things cooking, but my main thing is I really want to. I really want to, you know, and use your platform also. I want to talk about Division Two football in the state of California. 
Um, I think it's a travesty that we don't have it anymore, except for the School of Azusa Pacific. Um, it's it's funny to me how we're the fourth largest economy in the world, not 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 the, the United States. We're the fourth largest economy in the world, and we can't afford to have our students play Division Two scholarship mm. football in the state of California. You know, they cut all the programs, uh, which is which is mind boggling to me. I don't I don't I'm not quite sure why they've done it. I know before they tried to hide behind Title Nine. And what people that don't know what Title IX is, as it means for every men's scholarship, you have to have a woman's scholarship, you know, for sports. Uh, but typically it's equal. You know, if you have baseball, you have softball. If you have men's basketball, you have women's basketball. You have men's and women's track. So scholarships are equal across the board. But it needs to be tweaked or tweetered somehow because there is no sport that, that employs 100 people in, in like football does. Football has a roster of 100 people in the collegiate level. There's no woman sport that has 100 scholarships. I mean, 100, 100 people that participate. And also within that, I also know Division Two. there's only 36 scholarships that are there. So they give the, you can give out 36 full scholarships for D- Division Two. There is no sport in women's that house, I don't believe even 36 participants fully to be able to equal that. You know, um, Humboldt State kind of got away with it for a long time because Humboldt State would have, they didn't have base men's baseball, so the football team scholarships would transfer to the South softball team. So that's, okay. that's kind of how they even killed it. Um, but I do believe Title IX just needs to be readjusted. I'm all in agreement. I believe that's correct. If you offer a men's a man athletic athlete, you should offer a women athlete. But instead of going one for one, I believe it should be percentages. If you say, you know, all the men athletes you have in your school, if 60% are on scholarship, then 60% of the women should be on scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just that's, that way, that just gives football a little bit more tweak. Um, and I know big schools are able to do it. You know, like UCLA, they can they can incorporate and bring gymnastics to kind of offset for everyone to get a scholarship right. and so on. But smaller schools like Humboldt, Cal State East Bay, uh, Sonoma, Chico, they can't they don't have the budget to do that. So I believe there needs to be some type of tweak within there. Um, but back to bring, giving it back though, again for the state of California to be the fourth largest economy. Also in in the LA Times back what uh, back in June there was an article that there was a 1.5 billion dollar surplus in the state education system. And you still don't have the budget to be able to have these schools have um, have football. And, yeah. and it, it, it's mind-boggling because, again, let me kind of give my direction for everybody. So I work in corporate America. Um, the biggest thing in corporate America and across the board, because I work for four, four, I mean, three Fortune 500 companies, there is a lack of qualified men of color to apply for uh, new college entries or uh, entry-level jobs. There's just a lack of them. There's not there's not very many of them there. Um, I believe the state of California, by cutting football from these programs, has cut off the legs of men of color to have the opportunity to go to school. And the best way to cut off progress is cut off opportunity. If you want to stop progress, wow. you cut off opportunity. So I think the state of California, with these schools talking about it within their budget and dropping football, they have cut off the opportunity for men of color to go to school. Period. Now people will say, hey. You don't have to, you know, football's not a privilege for you to go to school, but football is something that attracts men of color to go to school. In each one of those schools, since they drop football, their men of color enrollment, their diversity enrollment for men have dropped. Every last one of them. They all have dropped. Also, within that same, in that same trajectory, which happened in 1995, I believe, they started cutting the football programs. The incarceration rate in the state of California went up all for those years. So it's a common denominator. Men from 17 to 24 went to more, went, took more penitentiary chances and went to jail and men of 17, 24 had stopped going to college because they cut off their football programs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I blame the state of California for that. I mean, you, that was a, that was something that would uniquely identify a, a special demographic to schools to bring men of color onto their campuses 
to create innovation, education, and so on and so on, and you cut it off. You allow these schools to be able to cut it off and run behind whatever excuse they wanted to run behind, whether it was budgetary, uh, Title IX, whatever it is, you allowed them to run behind and cut their program because you felt it was easier to just to do that dynamic instead of to deal with the real crisis at hand. And that means bringing these people back, bringing these young young men back to campuses, letting them compete competitive, and letting them get their degree. You got to think about it. With those six schools, and if you mm-hmm. take a couple of the private schools, so let's say if you take Humboldt State, Chico, Sonoma, San Francisco State, Cal State, East Bay, and Long Beach State, and let's talk, also think about Menlo College, UC Santa Barbara, St. Mary's, and Santa Clara. All had football. All of them had mm-hmm. football. That's, a, that's 10 schools. Of those 10 schools graduated 10 men of color every year for the last 25 years, would have a 2,500 workforce of men of color in the state of California. Educated. That means they can go to work. They can have they have jobs in these companies. They would be able to go back to the community. They would be have a reach to other people. They would change their family dynamic. They would have intellectual intellectual uh, uh, wealth at that point. They could go do tremendous amount of things. If they all that five that twenty five hundred reached out to just two more people, that's seventy five hundred people <laughs> in a trajectory to get college. That's a whole town. That's yeah. a whole company that could change the whole dynamic of a whole community of a whole of a whole economic system. You know, you're no longer you're no longer on the corner hustling. You're actually paying taxes. You're making yeah. forty thousand dollars a year. You're opening your own business. You're becoming entrepreneurs. You're you're climbing up the corporate ladder. You're you you got a development skill set. You're more wealth to your family. Your kids probably now will become going to college because you set that tone at that point. You've you've opened up a whole dynamic that was there that they cut off, and that's just my football. Yeah. So let me so let me ask a question that i'm kind of known for just throwing throwing a curveball right so where do you think you can influence into changing this entire dynamic right is it is it legislative or is it more on the educational side right is it actually being part of a school's school district a school administration piece or is it actually going to the state capitol talking to the lobbyists and talking to those folks or is it a combination of both I think it might be a combination of both. I think I think one we have to talk to the individual schools and the athletic directors at those schools, and ask them, you know, and and also talk to admissions at those schools as well as the presidents, and ask them first, ask them the reason why and why they're not making an effort to bring it back. Hmm. Uh, because I because I truly believe at the state at the state schools, you could actually have football with non scholarship, and those schools will be they would thrive with, with student athletes wanting to come there in the state of California. Because let's be honest, hmm. kids want to stay closer to home, they want to play. You know, mm-hmm. FAFSA will cover a mass majority, especially of the people that are lower income, and state schools are affordable. So with that all being said, they would plan under the non-scholarship rule because schools like USD, University of San Diego, has been able to do it for years and be successful. So why couldn't we implement that same program at these Division two, Division two schools at the state level, at state school levels, the Cal State E-Base and so on, the non-scholarship, have a plan for them to do it for the next five years to, to grow to be able to get those money games, to put influence money into to the program, to be able to haul, have all those things to be so it can be self-sufficient at that point, and now we can continue to have our kids with uh, with with the with the um with the with the support system being here here in California, and then to be able to play and represent their school in front of us. You know, it would be you would have uh, a high success rate. You you you're touching all the right buttons, and and I'm, I'm looking over here, and I got another screen going, and and okay. I, right now, no more. And the reason being is I've got a number of college athletes, people who play college sports, that are watching right now, and they're saying, "Martell is having, you know, this is a great conversation because this is resonating with them, and 
wishing that something like this had been talked about more accessible, whatever the case may be, right, when, when, when they were playing. And that's really why I asked you the question of where can you, again, influence into the system more? You know, is it from, yeah. from the administrative piece or is it more from the legislative piece? I mean, if, if we need to get you on the line with, with Gavin Newsom himself or, or whatever, or the, or the <laughs> chancellor at uh, UC Davis, you know, what, what, what needs to happen to have this? Because you're just talking football, right? Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you, you've kind of just narrowed the numbers down and just talk about that particular sport. But if we had this conversation about sports in general, so yep. track and field, baseball, volleyball, what, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, I'm, 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 I don't know enough, but I don't know if it's cost so much from a financial perspective to even implement it's, something like this, right? Because see, almost everything is dollars and cents, right? And you know, that's yeah, the reason why to, things... But, I, and I can I can address that kind, of, and I'm I'm gonna address yeah. it with football particularly. Football is a one is probably the number one money making sport out of all those six schools, state schools that were there. Football makes yeah. the most money out of all of yeah. them. It makes the most money than basketball, so on and so on, all of them mm -hmm. because it draws so much more of a crowd. One, the way football works is that they can draw money games. Humboldt was a, Humboldt was on before they cut their program. They were on the right since they were scheduling the Idaho states where they would get three hundred thousand. They were scheduling okay. schools like UC Davis, so they were getting money. So. That's what I'm saying. Go non-scholarship in the beginning and figure out your plan to be able to make it self-sufficient. So the UC Davis is a world. I mean, UC Davis has done very successful, but let's say the humble states of the world can now can make a money game playing against San Jose State, where they would get six hundred thousand dollars to play against them. That would fund their whole program, the whole for the whole year. So if you have a coach and a, a fundraiser or athletic department that can show them the way, all those schools can be self-sufficient within four years. But in the meantime. You can open the door for non-scholarship players to come participate in there and get the program off the ground. I, I can guarantee you there is 100 yeah. kids in Oakland that would love to play for Cal State East Bay. Yeah. I guarantee it. I guarantee there's kids from Sacramento and, and Northern California that would love to play for Chico and Humboldt State. I guarantee they can find 100, 100 participants to participate and play and, and, and get their program off the ground and start. Now, the cost would be travel, obviously, is a, is a big cost, and the cost of the yeah. coaches. But again, if they're but they're bringing in a, 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 enough of a revenue to help to cover that nut or cover most of that nut, why yeah. not bring the sport back? Because you're attracting a whole different demographic to your campus. It is, you know, you you, you that's pretty have good. It all that's there. pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. You know, uh, I, I'm taking mental notes because because I don't I don't think this conversation is done. I, I you know <laughs> I I. <laughs> I, I, I'm probably considering that, that I do, we do a panel, have some type of conversation yeah. around subject matter experts in this field. I, I'm not one of those, but I would love to, to moderate or you know help produce something like that. And I think getting other athletes, other collegiate athletes, folks that are in it, some type of administration, some folks that are in some type of uh, legislation as well, and ask that hard question, the why it is the way it is and, and, and give some examples of some possibilities. I think that's a conversation that needs to happen. And I, I, I know that would be a, a decent discussion for, especially for the parents who are in the, in the position right now of trying to figure out where their student athletes should go and kind of help calm some of the anxiety that the student athlete themselves is probably feeling right now because they don't know where to go. One, because of all this pandemic and lockdown and two, because there's, not there doesn't look like there's many opportunities when in fact there really could be right if exactly. we just think about if we just think about the system in a different way does that yes. make sense yep i I agree, I agree with you 100 i mean and uh, you know i would love to be a part of the panel or be a part of a or somebody can shoot questions at me i'm ready yeah. for rapid fire whatever they want whatever they want to throw 
I, I think I, I'm, I think I'm well versed in what's going on, and if there's something I don't know, I'll be I'll be open and honest that I don't know. But I do know there's a way that that these programs should be able to get back off and running, and it shouldn't be a situation where it's so cost effective that they can't do it because there's money in the state, there's money in the budget. Like I said, there's a 1.5 billion surplus in, mm-hmm. in the education part of California. So you can't tell me there's not no, no money there. You just don't want to spend it. And and, mm-hmm. and, I, and me personally, I think it's personal. I, t- I take your personal because I think you're excluding that demographic of educated men of color. Period. I don't want to hear it. There's no, there's nothing else because that sport, that's what we grab, that what gravitates us. Men of color to participate yeah. in that sport. So yeah. why are you cutting off that one dynamic? If that's the case, then cut off women's soccer. They won't do yeah. that because they know they'll hell will be raised. Right, right. They won't right. do that. I mean, I mean, I mean that's just real, right? I mean, yeah, that's absolutely. just a, a real conversation, and you have to ask those hard questions to folks that are in in the know and and see what they say, right? Yeah. And 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 hold them accountable to that. So, I man, I, I love it. So I will. I'm going to take this action item to continue this conversation. I'll make sure that you're involved in that, and I know a number of other folks uh, will will want to participate as well. Uh, I already showed your website. Uh, is there yep. any other place where folks can kind of get in contact with you in terms of some of the activities that you're doing, some of the uh, conversations that you're having? Either I know you do some interviews on television as well down in San Diego. But so yeah. uh, w- whenever you're going to be on the San Diego news, uh, uh, I'm sure folks would like to know about that too. Talk to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually during during high school football season, which is not happening. I'm I'm, I'm a high school an- analysis for Fox Sports. Um, also, like I said, my website is the best part to get a, get a hold of me. If you guys have any questions or you know just want to shoot, you know, understand some more things about what NBA Sports does, it's nbasports.net. Um, all you know, one word. Um, man, I'm an open book. You hit me in those two platforms, <laughs> you, I'm good. And my Twitter, my Twitter's kind of NBA Sports number one. Um, if you hit me on that platform, I'm pretty I'm pretty accessible to get to. I okay. try to follow. I try to get back to everyone. Um, as you guys can see, I'm pretty passionate about this, this these certain topics because I believe there's some there just needs to be some resolution to this and give our kids an opportunity, man. There's too many kids yeah. leaving California and there's not enough of them that has enough opportunity to be able to progress in this world. Man, if you weren't passionate, it wouldn't be worth doing, right? Nothing, nothing in the world is easy, so you got you got to work hard to to to, to succeed. Yes, sir. Montel, I appreciate you, man. This this was a as an amazing conversation. Uh, eye-opening for me just in terms of not knowing all the different dynamics right and the types of um, things that you bring to the conversation so I appreciate you I appreciate your time um, again we, we're going to continue this conversation you will definitely be part of it but uh, to the utmost I want to say thank you for who you are and what it is that you do because you're doing you're doing some good work man thank you my brother I appreciate it appreciate you now all right